Blog Talk Radio. match in the main event. Anyway, this is Stephen Platinum, and I'm joined, as always, by Larry Goodman. How are you doing tonight, Larry? Fine, but hating that main event about as much as you are, I, I just don't... And I know they evened it out, the three-on-five, by having Strowman and Kane go at it and having Strowman stuffed into the garbage truck, but I don't know. <laughs> this, 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 this aspect of modern wrestling, I just have a hard time with it. I just don't really like get it. I just don't really enjoy it that much. It's, it's a spectacle. It was a spectacle. They did all kinds of crazy stuff. No doubt. So here's here's the you know out of all of that nonsense and all of that morass, right? Look that up for those of that need to. So for all that morass, Strowman being crushed by the garbage truck, shouldn't they have done a thing where he wasn't? where he caught that thing and then forced it back up, would that not have served a similar purpose without, I don't know, again, detail stuff, right? We talk about it all the time, detail stuff. And uh, why not put that guy over while you're trying to remove him from the match? It's just little things like that that I think is, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, you have Finn Balor beat AJ in what was clearly the match of the night, right? I think we can agree on that. And then, and then, and then Balor loses to Kane clean on Raw. Like, what the well, hell's going well, on? Can, can you explain to me what's up with the renewed super push for Kane at this stage of his career? Are they short on that short on monsters that they have to? I, I don't understand that, but uh, going back to the point you were making, uh, yeah, I would have preferred to see uh, Strowman, you know, somehow claw his way out of the garbage thing than to have all the chairs fall down and have him climb out of that. That was that would have been the garbage truck thing would have been a more impressive yeah. feat than, yeah, than crawling so. out from under the chairs. So, but yeah, what what I mean, what's up with the, with Kane getting the the super push? I, he did he lose that election? I believe he did, right? He was running for something and he didn't win. Oh. I, I guess it's just one of those where um, it's like, well, let's. That's what they do, right? I, whenever they sort of try to renew Big Show's career, Big Show does like cool stuff for two weeks. And yeah, two weeks. <laughs> and then, you know, it's just like, oh my gosh, the whole ring came apart, or oh man, he knocked uh. that dude out, and then you know. And then we're back to think. I was thinking about this the other day, Larry. Um, 
So, you know, Enzo, in spite of the fact that they've tried to crush that guy a hundred times for varying reasons, they can't, right? He's like over. He's legitimately over, so they have to put him, they have to keep doing stuff with him. You know, somebody had proposed the idea of when the inevitable breakup with him and Kaz was, was being booked, somebody, I, I'd read this online, somebody went, why do they have to do like the Sean and Marty thing? Why do they have to break them up and have them feud? Can't Kaz just do this great promo where he says, yo man, I love you and I love teaming with you, but I feel like I got to go for the world title and have Enzo sign off on it. You're right, man. You're really great. And I would never want to hold you back. And I just want you to know, I got your back whenever you need it. That way Kaz can have a single career as a babyface, which is a, which is a much stronger move than making him heal, because becoming a heel exposed him terribly. I thought. Yeah. But you keep him a babyface, and then that way, whenever you need to do the build for the pay per view, you can have the two of them team up against the heel champ du jour and whoever. You know, there's a million ways you could have played it just by keeping them together, and then that way, if when Kaz got hurt. Enzo could just be moved into that spot, you know, like until my friend comes back, I'm going to do my best to win the title for him so I can face off against my friend for the title and we can both live our dream. Well, how much of a stronger move is that? Yeah. I do like Enzo as a heel and God only knows the 205 brand needed something to breathe life into it. I don't know if we I don't remember if we talked about that on here or not, but the 205 thing, man, that thing's just deadly when they film it in the large arenas. They got to get that thing out of the large arenas. It just doesn't work that way you know, they do it. It's very telling that uh, cuz they put up, you know, one of the most watched shows on the network. And Enzo made a clear distinct um, impact on his first week on 205 Live. Like the the ratings for that thing jumped way up proportional to what they are for that show. Um, but I think it's also just as telling that that's the only week that did go up, that it went right back down to where it had been and has stayed there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know what the, I, I, that, that probably says something about wrestling fans in general. It, part of it is what it says is we're willing, right? I mean, when they were doing the hot SummerSlam stuff, people did come back to watch because they were interested and intrigued in Joe versus Strowman versus Roman Reigns versus, you know, like there's a simple thing I think that we forget in wrestling. And it's just simply this, have a matchup where you're not sure of who the winner is going to be. And you're much more likely to have people interested. Um, it's a simple thing. Like, I, I mean, I, Jinder Mahal, he's not losing anytime soon. It's it's quite obvious, is it not? Like, and so you're you're in a no-win situation. If they put him, I'll say this, though. If they're going to go through with the rumored Lesnar versus Jinder Mahal thing, there is a value there um, in that you're not 100% sure. You, you know what, um, Larry, here's a weird little thing. You know what one of the top drawing back when you could measure what a pay-per-view drew, right? Do you know one of the top one of the top 10 non-WrestleMania um pay-per-views was of the sort of modern-ish era, let's say the last like 10 years. 
Enlighten me. Uh, I was shocked. It was headlined by the great Kali versus Undertaker. That is pretty now, damn if, shocking. If I if I say that matchup to you now, do you, does your face not cr- like wrinkle up as if you had bit down on a lemon, right? Yeah, but, yeah. But that just shows because that's when Kali was in the midst of the huge push, you know. And I just I just chalk that up to, I mean I don't think it was people going. Boy, I sure would like to see Undertaker have a rematch with Giant Gonzalez. I don't think that was the draw. <laughs> I think the draw was just good old-fashioned. I have no idea who's going to win this. And it involves at least one of the personalities of somebody who I care about a whole lot. So I'm intrigued to see where this goes. And, well, and these are the Lesnar matchups they need. Sorry for interrupting, but Lesnar in, in mm. the hall is going to happen because Les uh, – Heyman accepted the challenge last night yeah. on Lesnar's behalf. So, I mean, that is going to happen at Survivor Series, for better or for worse. Um, and, I mean, I'll tell you, that match will be a hell of a lot more intriguing than the inevitable ramshackle Raw versus SmackDown Survivor Series match. Because, again, uh, it's just going to be comprised of, you know, they're just going to throw different people in the mix, and maybe Shane McMahon will be there being carried throughout the match like he was last year or whatever. But... At the end of the day, nobody like that's that's the opposite problem. It's I mean, I don't know who would win that match, but but it's the other component that you need is not only I don't know who's going to win, but do I care who wins? Is uh, is yeah. uh, is there a stake? And no. clearly with Lesnar and Mahal, the expectation, the early expectation will be well, they'll just do some kind of screwy finish and get out of it. That's what I would expect. So I would say the best way they can promote that match is to take away all of our doubt as wrestling fans until that match happens. Just find every way they can of removing the disappointed expectation. Make it so there has to be a winner. Make it so this, that, and the other. Whatever concerns people would have about that match, take them away and let that thing be what it is. And this is not me saying that I want to see that match, but it's going to happen. So if it's going to happen, why not make it the best thing that it can be? That would be my challenge to them. Yeah. Well, that will be a challenge. Since we're on WWE, and by the way, uh, for those who didn't uh, know, Wicked Nemesis is our guest tonight. He'll be joining us in ooh, maybe five minutes or so. So since we're on WWE, let's we'll, let's stay on that for a sec. We'll talk about the more local stuff after our interview with uh, Mr. Wicked Nemesis. But, you know, uh, yeah. WWE is reporting their uh, quarterly earnings, third quarter earnings, uh, two days from now. And uh, the stock is up to $22. It topped out at almost $24 earlier in the month. And it's been on a steady rise since 2015 after that debacle where they claimed they were going to get the huge contract, you know, the huge uh, network deal, and that didn't happen. And then the stock went all the way down to 11 bucks from 30 bucks. Anyway, so it's basically doubled over the last couple of years. Would you be a buyer or seller or on the sidelines for for WWE stock at this point? You know, the old party line was you wanted to pick up the stock at the end of the year because WrestleMania season, which is roughly considered from, I I think it's safe to say it's from Royal Rumble until WrestleMania, is um, always meant an uptick. It always meant an uptick in the stock. 
except for the last two years. And I found that really interesting considering both of those WrestleManias financially on paper did incredibly well, maybe as good or better than any other WrestleManias ever. And yet there seemed to be this idea that that didn't matter as much. But as you said, the stock has risen as of late. So I guess um, they're only going to keep getting into more markets. And that's, that's what you got to attribute this rise to. Right. Absolutely. They're just yeah. going to keep, I mean, they're just going to, they're just going to keep, um, you know, their, their hydra tentacles are going to continue to sort of expand in the world until they can't expand no more. Um, whatever and that's, we that's may the think game of that they their, uh, uh, creative and, and their televisions ratings such as they are. Yeah. Clearly wall street is, is, is buying into this, this global expansion and the multiple revenue streams, uh, as the things for this company, and they keep, you know, they they continue to churn out money, print money with with what they're doing. So, yeah, I don't see them getting derailed in in that way at all. And it's interesting to me that you know Netflix just raised prices, and mm-hmm. do you do you think if they raise the price for the network from nine ninety nine to eleven ninety nine, would that would that materially affect? the number of subscribers. I think so. Um, but if they're going to do it, they better do it soon. So, so people who may sign up in the future won't be affected by that price increase. But if you've been paying $9.99, I think a price increases. Again, it's just what's, what somebody's level of commitment is really what I, Netflix raising their thing a buck, I think doesn't affect anybody because at the end of the day, Netflix is woven in the souls of the people that have it, exactly. right. That have already like that have cut the cord. Netflix is clearly willing to spend money. Some would say foolishly. I mean, you know, giving Amy Schumer $11 million for a standup that nobody liked is insane. Um, but they're clearly willing to spend money. They have over, they have almost 200 shows that are Netflix exclusives. How crazy is that? That's, I mean, that's more than networks and uh, they're willing to put the best product out there. Whereas at the end of the day, what can the network give you in the future that they aren't giving you now? So what am I going to get for my extra two bucks? Because that, that's what Netflix has pulled off. They can certainly point to a big difference between who they were and who they are now. Um, you know, you could you could just watch Netflix all day, and you know it wouldn't affect you, right? And anything that you hear about that you love, there's a good chance it's going to come to Netflix. I'm curious when Disney opens their own version of Netflix and pulls their programming off of Netflix how that's going to affect. I think that will have a bigger impact than a price increase. Me too. Um, I wonder the same thing, although Disney really has their work cut out for them on this. I I have the same wondering that you do. I mean, I think the thing with WWE is that, you know, they are the only game in town. I mean, people are clearly people aren't paying whatever ridiculous price for the uh, flow slam thing and, right and, except for like a few thousand people I mean, those numbers were, 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 were appalling that came out in that lawsuit thing about what they actually have for 
people that subscribe. It's ridiculous. So, I mean, uh, yeah, because I, I don't, just don't see the WWE ever getting to 2 million subscribers, but I think they can they can milk more money out of the ones they have. <laughs> They've continually yeah. shown they can milk more I, I, money I, I, out I, of their hardcores. You know, that's that's you're probably right about that. Because at the end of the day, um, for the WWE to significantly expand their audience, they're going to have to do two things. One is to get into new markets, which they're doing. And the other is to provide better original content, which they're clearly not willing to spend money to do. I mean, every WWE produced show from Holy Foley to whatever looks like they're made for about $3 and 95 cents. <laughs> and I don't, and, and if it's true that they're putting more money into their film division, um, the film oh, division, no. which, which incidentally has never made money. And so no. now they coast, now they co-sign on other movies. Like Larry, you would be shocked if you looked at the movies that WWE films has produced. Um, like, cause it's not, you know, the, the days of Hunter Hearst Helmsley as the bus driver with a heart of gold are gone. Now they're producing stuff. I mean, they're trying to get, they're trying to sign the rock to do a movie. And I mean, the, the salary that he would require 20 million, you could probably make 10 of their straight to DVD movies oh, yeah. that they did three years ago. So, yeah. and I mean, like they, they produced that Holly Berry movie, the one about, you know, she's the operator and somebody's kid is kidnapped in the car or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That was just a mainstream film. And I only happened because I see a lot of movies for my various jobs. Right. And I was like, Oh, look, it's a WWE films, this Holly Berry movie that has no wrestlers in it whatsoever, unless they were, you know, some minor role. Huh. That's interesting. Um, so they're trying to get into other aspects of film and they're still gambling. Like they're clearly sort of taking stuff off of the pile that other studios have turned down thinking like, mm -hmm. all we need is one to hit, right? It's that Miramax thing to, you know, <laughs> the Harvey Weinstein's thing. That's how Miramax made their money is they took good scripts off of the pile and banked on them doing well. Uh, I mean, what studio was going to bankroll clerks? It was never going to happen. You know, the black and white, freaking crappy looking movie about two guys <laughs> who talk about, you know, blowjobs, Return right. of the Jedi. And like, but Miramax, I mean, that, that, you know, Kevin Smith is, he built that house in a lot of ways. And WWE films is clearly looking to kind of do the same thing. And, so, but that's at the sacrifice of their network. They don't have, they're not incredibly liquid from the looks of it. And that'll be interesting in the meeting too. Are they liquid enough to pump up their network so they can try to get 2 million to pump well, up their film know, division and everything else? I was know? thinking for shits and giggles of listening in on the conference call. If I do, I'll talk about it on our next show. Oh, I, think I just might want to just hear it, like just to hear what they what they do on there. I've seen the write-ups of them, but I've never actually listened to one. So we'll see if I actually can follow through on that. But, um, hey, you know, we've got our uh, special guest is, I believe, Absolutely. I believe is, is on the line. He's uh, probably Alabama's best-known uh, and best wrestling manager. Also has been a star at Peach State Wrestling. And uh, it's also his birthday. So we're joined yeah. now by the birthday boy himself, the wicked nemesis. How are you gentlemen doing this evening? <laughs> we're doing good, man. Happy birthday, first of all. 
Um, yes. Thank you, sir. And let me tell you, it is an honor to be on the special with you two here. Well, you know, Wigan Nemesis, um, your reputation obviously precedes you. Um, you've booked promotions before, like you've always seemed to have an eye on, you know, guys that are smart and have a mind for the business invariably aren't content with just being talent. Eventually they want to do more. Now, of course we want to hear about the plans that you have, uh, moving forward, but I just got to ask, and I'm going to, I'm going to ask this open-ended question so you can talk about as much as you feel comfortable. Um, but what the hell happened with Sawyer and the rest of it? Can you just give us a brief sort of like chronology of what went down and what's going on now, please? Okay. We don't want the hour and a half conversation I have with Larry Goodman off the record Sunday, last Sunday, right? <laughs> well, that's, okay. that's probably some of that is probably not stuff you want to put on the air anyway, but get, go for it. You know, well, that's why I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want, I didn't want you to be in the uncomfortable position of having to like, sort of like not say exactly what. So, Again, just, you know, in your own words, just lay out whatever you're comfortable saying, just so we get a sense of what's going on. Yes, sir. My thing is this. You don't work the boys. If you've been caught in a bunch of lies, just come clean. Everybody knows. Everybody knows I, I've done a lot of bad things related to wrestling. Not in ring, backstage. People know that. It, it, it's common knowledge. However, that's all they can say about me. When you lie to people about who owns the bill? When you're when your backer, your money backer, is a rat, and you're trying to act like you're coming out of your pocket with everything. He lied to all of us. Dan Sawyer lied to everybody, but more specifically to Veronica Fairchild, Joshua Hagen, and myself. I caught him in a bunch of lies in August. Now, what a lot of people don't know is we were supposed to have Cody Rhodes come in. Dan Sawyer had to make one phone call. One phone call. We were going to book Cody for two. He was going to give us a third for three because he's a worker, and he knows how much, how much money he was going to get. It's cash money up front, like Randy Moss, you say, straight cash, homie. Dan didn't want to make that phone call because he wanted to be part of the Bullet Club. I don't give a about being part of the Bullet Club. I cared about having great matches. And at this time, Josh and I had started booking, and all we answered to was Dan Sawyer. Dan wanted it to make about himself. You can't tell the violent gentleman, oh, you're my boys now, even though Mickey Henry trained you. They're out making his name for himself. Charles Andrews out making a name for himself. You know, Kelvin Hyde, formerly Kelvin Holmes, out making a name for himself. And you're still paying these guys trash. You can't do that. You can't say you're my boys now. And then when I get on my hands and knees and beg you, Dan, please pay these guys at least XX money. Oh, yeah, man, I'm going to. He didn't. So I, I started going out of my pocket to make sure that those guys were taken care of. There's a reason why Dan lost his entire mid-card. His entire mid-card was loyal to me because I was the one that made sure that they had storylines. I was the one that made sure that guys got pushed. I was the one that made sure that their in-ring work was spoken for. All you had to do, he, how many times, Larry, how many times has he called you and, and give you any of the finishes, any of the results? Uh, I don't think he has, actually. He hasn't because he was too, oh, well, that doesn't mean anything. Yes, yeah, it does. Yes, it does. I, yes, I have a quick question at this point. So everything 
at the promotion seemed to be coming up roses. The crowds were full. It always seemed like everyone was really excited to go do the shows, like what Kiatsu would talk about going there and doing it. He was really excited. So where was the money going? It was the money just tied up in the people that were being brought in at the top? Or was it was he losing money? Or was this just a case of like promoter greed? So I'm not gonna pay the boys that are local Definitely. because I'm gonna pocket the money. Dan, Dan did not have a job. He does false furnaces. He does the uh, the security for it during Halloween. That's all he had. His wife was the one that was paying for things. Then he started getting a money backer. Okay, he got that. But his thing was he still had to make a profit. He still had to have money in his pocket after every show. And he had that problem of the promise of, like, okay, let's pay some point. Gangrel. I love Mr. Heath. Mr. Heath, I've been a fan of his. I Orion Bishop and I used to ride around when I had six twelves in my blazer listening to the Broods music. And we were huge marks for them. However, when you don't promote Dan Grill gonna be there and when the house drops from three twenty five to two fifteen, there's something wrong. And he was always on air promote the show, promote the show okay. Well, there comes a certain point to where everybody knew Dan owned the promotion. Everybody knew that. But he still wanted to act like, oh, no, no. Dude, when you call the reserve ticket, it's Dan. It's Dan's number. When you call the House of Pain for training, it's Dan's number. You can't have one person do that much. And let me ask you guys a question. Who trained Dan Sawyer? I don't know. It was was a drink care dog. Because his daughter made that perfectly clear when this when the crap hit the fan. That was an amazing message to get from Sylvester Croom's daughter. She buried Dan and said, I have no idea who this guy is. So you tell me, who trained Dan? And when you're in there and you're training these guys, you can't have them take hip tosses in training every day for six months and expect them to get better. Bernie Kawanowitz, Joshua Hagen. And Mudbone are the ones that trained those guys, not Dan. And his guys were not even prepared to go out. You ask Learman, you ask Cole Sykes, you ask Kay Holmes. All of these guys, like, they, don't, they weren't ready. But they were training, they paid their money, so they were thrown out on TV. They were thrown out on YouTube. They weren't ready. How many times have you held somebody back to you? How many times have you said you're not ready? I mean, what? here's my question. Like, clearly, Dan, I mean, you know, it was, it was wrestling promoter nonsense, right? Like, he's hustling. Yeah. He's sort of taking credit for stuff that he didn't do, et cetera, et cetera. What was the transition between him being in power? Now, you, Hagen, and Fairchild, are you running a different promotion, or did you take over yeah. that promotion? No, we are running Zero Alliance Wrestling. Okay, talk about that just a little while, like how that came about. What was the like straw that broke the camel's back where you're like, we need to do this thing over here and not being affiliated with Dan anymore? I, I, had been, I had been sitting on my hands. You guys know me. I cannot sit on my hands for long. For a year, I gave him every opportunity, and I would catch him in lies. And, yes, I'm, we're, this is a big, big person show. I smoke a lot of weed. I remember everything that people tell me. And that he wanted, and he would try to lie to me, lie to everybody, and come back and tell me another lie. And I wanted to punch myself in the face, but I went on with it for a year because he gave the violent gentleman Charles Anders 
He gave Kelvin Heights. He gave James Austin Cole Sykes. He gave them a platform. Where they, yeah. Even if some of those guys weren't ready, he still gave them a platform. So out of loyalty to those guys, I stepped back and did what I could to stop the bleeding. When it starts to hemorrhage, when a website goes up called maddogdansawyer.net, and it has everything you've ever sent to your rats, when it has everything that's ever been said, like it was there. What the, so maddogdansawyer.net, so it was a list of what presents he had given to the rats? or Yes, and every, like text messages, Whoa. pictures, audio, video. It was insane. I saw it the day before everybody found out about it. I called Joshua Higgins and said, holy crap, what are we going to do? From that, Veronica Fairchild's name was instantly brought up. Now, Veronica owned the ring. Veronica also owned the women's championship. Spiral owned the middleweight championship. Spiral had left because Dan Sawyer did the same thing to Spiral that he did to Orion Bishop and that he did to Clyde Braddock. He sucked the life of wrestling out of them. And that's hard to do to somebody. That's very hard to do to suck them out where they don't even want to be in the business anymore. He did that. So then you don't even make it up. You don't even find somebody. So I told Veronica. Veronica asked me if I knew about it. I said, yes, I do know about it. She said, how long do you know about it? I said, that's none of your damn business. He took a belt that Joshua O'Hagan bought. He gave it to Jack Lord. Just gave it to him because he said he owed him some money for some gear. That's not what he told us. He told us that Jack owed him money, and he wanted to help out Southern Legacy Wrestling. Complete bullcrap. Josh said, I want my belt back. Then Josh got hurt. So we what got are the, in the ring. Yeah. I'm sorry. We got in the ring. The reason why I started wrestling was to put over the violent gentlemen. They should have been GCW Tag Team Champions. Dan didn't have faith in them. So we put faith in the violent gentlemen for Dan. That's why we had such brutal encounters. And, yes, I had to wipe away 11 years of, punch, of punching somebody on the outside. I'd be like, my hand, ah. Yeah, completely. I had to go and be like, okay, I'm six foot three, 195 pounds. I can wrestle. I trained as a wrestler. So it become a line in the sand. That's what it was, a line in the sand. I gave Dan every opportunity. He kayfabed me and told me, I have no idea what you're talking about. Then I started telling him everything that was on there. Then he said, well, that's all lies. I know what's up there. She's just trying to put a wedge between us. I told Dan, talked to him for an hour and a half, and for what it's worth, Dan Sawyer sat there and took, took that ass chewing. And I told him exactly what I thought about him. I told him he is everything that is wrong with professional wrestling, especially independent wrestling. He's a weasel. He's a backstabber. He tried to throw everybody under the bus. And then when his money factors back out, he decides that September 30th is no longer happening. Didn't tell anybody until the last minute, until that Thursday. Then had the audacity to tell Logan Creed that I was the one that had it shut down. Get the hell out of here. Get out of town. So I get let's talk about that. If, if we could, we could, let's talk about that weekend for a second. You were, the, the original plan was there going to be back-to-back shows Friday night in Birmingham and Saturday night in Pell City. Pell City yes, got sir. canceled, but Birmingham did take. Birmingham, yeah, got canceled two days, before, but Birmingham did take place. But Sawyer was not there. They funded that entire event out of their own pocket. 
Chris Knox and Tasha Simone. I called Tasha. I said, Tasha, do you know that they're talking about canceling the uh, Good People Brewery as well? She said, I have not heard anything about that. My Facebook Messenger was blowing up. People asking me what I knew about it because at the time, I had made it public that I had left GCW. We showed up at Southern Legacy, got a huge pop, Joshua Hagen and I did, and people were like, something's going on. He canceled that show later that day. So now everybody has lost two bookings for the weekend. I knew something was up when Francisco said, hey, I need an emergency booking in Kentucky. I have my license, and it says September 30th. He was looking for that booking. I knew right then something was up, and then it started coming in. First person called me was Logan Creed, and I've only been intimidated twice in my life. One time in professional wrestling, and it was Logan Creed calling me saying, Wicked, what the f- going on? I said, oh, my God. I said, calm down, Logan. I said, Jesus <laughs> Christ, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, so, that's, that's it, so, so that so obviously opened – yeah, go ahead, Larry. I'm sorry. No, so the, so the show took place, and did, did there was this incident with a fan trying to come into the ring at that show? Yeah. Is that no. – so he got in the ring. No, he got in the ring, and Chris Knox okay. proceeded to beat the hell out of him. And it got back to the athletic commission. Lovely. And what happened from there, I don't know. But I will tell you this. I've gotten several messages telling me that uh, GCW is in a little bit of trouble because they still ran the GCW banner. People think athletic is a joke, and for a while it was. Guess what? You can't have somebody at a bar event start beating up a fan. And Chris was every right. However, it becomes fishy of was the fan let into the ring and Chris and Tasha didn't know about it, or did he legitimately get drunk and dive into the ring and start trying to clothesline J.P. Magnum? Oh, jeez. I'm just saying. So, so what were the what was the like sort of what what meetings took place or discussions took place for you guys to open up your promotion, you Fairchild and Hagen? Like, what who who initiated that conversation? And and please tell us about like you know what the plans are, when events are going to happen, and that kind of thing. Uh, well, what happened is Josh said we've got to do something. Uh, Josh, of course, was active. Veronica was active. I'm active. But I'm the most active of all three of those in other promotions. My loyalty was never with GCW. My loyalty was with professional wrestling because I was told, if you're going to get in the business, you leave it better than you found it when you leave. My whole thing, there's a lot of great talent in Alabama. Alabama wrestling is dead. Because if you tell me that Pro South, no offense to Ace Haven, is the top promotion in Alabama, I'm going to punch you in the face. So there's a void. People were expecting wrestling on September 30th. Yeah. I called Veronica and called Josh. We had a conference call, and we also called Jesse Payne on top of that. A lot of people remember him from Full uh, Throttle Wrestling. And we sat down, and we started talking about this. And then uh, the guy, uh, Timmy Nichols, who wrestled as the other guy, come on. So that was our core board. Timmy since had to drop out, but we decided there's a void in professional wrestling in the state of Alabama. Dan canceled the 30th. He's not going to run anything in October. October 28th was open. It was my call, and I will tell everybody this, and so if anybody has any problems with it, you can blame me. I was the one that said, why don't we give them wrestling in October? 
And then Veronica said, I've got the ring. I'll buy the promoter's license. I said, I'll buy the insurance. Josh Lagan said, I can point to a canvas. I can point you to this. And we started moving all the eggs around. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, crap hit the fan. And then it was everywhere. And I know for a fact how it got back to Dan. And that is a whole other story in itself of Dan finding out about this, instantly calling the athletic commission, not realizing we already had everything in place. We'd already bought everything. We bought everything that weekend. So Dan was trying to Dan was trying to sabotage you, saying you guys didn't have a license, you guys didn't have insurance, yada yada yada. The the old call the fire commissioner got him trick, right? But then you guys already had your ducks in a row when they checked up. You're exactly right, and that was the whole point. Is he wasn't prepared? Dan knows me. Steve, you know me. They all know me. I'm not going to stick my head out for anything if I'm not completely prepared for it. The moment that that ZAW Facebook fan page hit, I got 42 different people getting in contact with me. Some of them, and this is funny, somebody that would go unnamed that we all liked hit me up and said, hey, can I wrestle on the 28th? I said, would you call Bill Barron's and ask him like that? Don't golf. No, you can't. Learn some respect. And since you're such a veteran who's done stuff throughout the Southeast, I said, why don't you learn how to quit working the right arm? Hey, yo. <laughs> <laughs> That's my point. Like, would they call it Bill Barron? I know I'm not a Bill Barron stature. I, I haven't got anybody signed to Ring of Honor TNA. However, you guys know what I've done. Steve, you know better than anybody how I can take – I've taken some of your best projects and got them out on the road. Like, go, go, go. You have a – you can see. Look, you, you know talent. I know talent. People people don't like that. People do not like somebody else helping someone. They want to be able to do it all. You can't do everything. It's like the old Bud Light commercial. Leon can't do everything. When I yeah. see something's wrong, who is more at fault? Someone that sees something is being done wrong and doesn't correct it or the person that doesn't know that they're doing wrong? Right. And that was the whole point. That was the whole point. There was a void. We stepped in, we got it going, and guess who come out of retirement for that? Spiral, the Bosnian badass. I talked to Spiral, and I talked to Clyde Braddock for an hour and a half. I've talked to Logan Creed about this. I've talked to several people that just like instantly were like, what's going on? Because everybody thought we were still running the same thing you guys asked. People thought we had taken over GCW. They thought right. that we had just completely taken it over for Dan. No. We're running something else. So when, once Dan tried to sabotage you guys through the commission, um, obviously he's he's really upset because he found out um, that you guys are going to do a show. So what did he do anything else beyond that point, or did that just like shut him down, or have you been uh, like sort of a vocal pain in the ass ever since? Well, what, really, what shut him down is the fact that Dan Sawyer, you guys know me, very confrontational. I told Dan Sawyer when my name got brought up, because my name eventually got brought up in all this, I got brought up in about five or six text messages, and I called Dan and told him, I'm going to kill you. And he said, what are you talking about? And I read the text to him. He said, I didn't say that. I said, really? Well, here's the response from such and such, and read that to him. He said, man, somebody hacked my account. I said, you're damn right they did. And guess what? Your balls are in my hands. 
And I said, if you mess with us one more time, I said, I'm going to kill you. Take it as a terroristic threat, whatever you want to call the NSA. I said, I'm going to beat your brains in. I said, worse than what I did to Paul Lee, worse than what I did to Amos Moses. I'm going to beat your face in. I'm going to cave your face in. I said, and Elizabeth is going to have to have the elephant man as her dad. I said, do you want that, Mad Dog? Oh, damn. Oh, good grief. I tell you, it's as funny as that. I told him, I said, Daniel Mize, this is from Jeremy Arnold. I'm going to kill you. And you know, I don't and use that name. Y'all know me. I do not use that name. When I say no, that, I've never heard it. I've never heard it before. When I cornered him at Monstrosity, I told him, you get one swing because I dropped the M-bomb on you. Other than that, I'm going to rip your head off, and then I'm going to smoke all your weed. <laughs> I smoke the man's weed. <laughs> um, well... <laughs> Wicked, we got more than we bargained for in this interview. I didn't know you beat Paul's, Paul Lee's ass, too. What? Larry, you don't know? You didn't know that he beat Paul Lee? Oh, my God. No. No. I don't I don't know this story. I'm sorry. I apologize. Can, can you I please tell the story brief? It's like, Larry, okay. it is so grand. Oh, it's so wonderful. Please, yeah. Okay. What happened? He got on the GCW uh, page and started burying Damon Christopher. Everybody knows Johnny Slaughter, Damon Christopher, Brian Alexander trained me. Okay, so Damon's the nicest guy in the world. He starts just just downing the entire show, the entire card. Then finally a real wrestler, a real superstar is going to be there, not this other trash. Look, Paul Heyman just said it last night on Raw. The thing is everybody wants to talk crap. Everybody wants to bury everybody to make themselves look good. That's not how wrestling's done. You don't do that. If they're in the ring with you, they should be worthy opponents. Because if you talk to them like they're crap, when you beat them, all you've done is beat crap. Paul Lee comes up to me and he says, we have a problem. We're standing outside and signing autographs. I told him, yes, sir, let's step inside. I don't want to fight in front of the kids because there were about 17 kids. I go inside. Now, this is my mistake. I took my jacket off and crossed my arms. Paul Lee comes in, punches me in the face. I don't move. He stands there. I get him in the I didn't know he hit you first. Holy crap. All right. Awesome. Oh, my God. Okay. (laughs) But it was my fault because I had my arms crossed like a dumbass. I didn't think he was going to fight. However, you know most guys that are big on synthol like that, somebody that that he cannot, he is weak (laughs) as hell. He is weak as hell. I grabbed him in the front face lock. He threw us to the side. We went through a table. Boom, it exploded. Everybody from running out. Paul Lee starts pulling at my hair. Chris Knox is like, get off his hair, get off his hair. People are trying to break it up. Micah Taylor says, no, this has to happen. Paul Lee starts trying to punch me. I grab his, I grab his right arm and my left arm. I try to punch him. He blocks it. And then he thinks Chris Knox is going to hit him, I guess, so he reaches out for Chris. Big mistake. I punch him three times before he can ever react. He explodes blood all over me. Like, it looked like... It looked hostile. Finally, Polly got decent color. (laughs) (laughs) So bad. So then he starts pulling my he starts pulling my mohawk, and then he lets go and starts twisting my uh, starts twisting my my skull necklace. And right as I put my teeth on his nose, and I don't even eat bacon. I'm not Jewish. (laughs) I don't like I don't like bacon. I was going to eat his nose, and I would have been the Saigon whore that bit his nose off. And he said, oh I, I don't know what you guys can get away with on here, but he said, God damn it. Get him off. He's about to bite my nose off. Holy shit. So then Leon Spencer steps in and says, don't make me be a cop. I said, okay, I'm done. 
because I had I had weed on me. So then I was like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> I get up, I go over, start fixing my mohawk, and I said, hey, Paul, because he's just dripping blood. Like, he will not stop bleeding. I said, hey, Paul, how does it feel to get your ass beat by a manager? You piece of – I hate you. How does that feel to you? You should be blackballed. Everybody starts losing it. He starts to advance towards me. I step up. Like, if you want some more, come on. And he says, <laughs> and then I go in there like, wicked, uh, go wash up. And then Luke Gallo's big ass comes around the corner. He says, wicked, what the, you beat up my driver. I said, Mr. Gallo, I have always respected you. You have always been super cool to Bishop and myself. I said, I'm going to tell you this right now. Marks don't belong in the business. And that is a mark right there. All he does is carry your bags everywhere. And he ain't, and he's like, <laughs> man, he said, wicked, have a nice night. He hugs me. I said, watch out, your boy's blood's on me. He starts laughing. Now, they drive an hour and a half down the road, forget that they, Paul had left his Visa card at the bar, turned all the way back around, and have a flat an hour into it back. So they were at 4.30 oh. in the morning, and Gallo's changing, the, changing a flat tire. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> and then on his shoot interview, he says that, uh, I gigged him, and then he had told several people that he had gigged the night before in a steel cage, and like it was always something. It was always something. It was always something else. And big shout out to Paul Lee. Thank you for mentioning me on your "quote unquote" shoot DVD that your uh, paraplegic wife did. Dang. She's not a paraplegic. Yeah, all his money comes from his wife because she slipped and fell at her school when she was a teacher, and they sued him. That's how he has his money, and he has a trade date. So I, I wanted I wanted to give you a chance to talk about your promotion right now. So so you got the show coming up October twenty eighth. Yes, what's what's the plans? What's the plans moving forward? Are you guys going to run monthly? Are you going to run in the same venues that Sawyer used to run? Like what what is kind of the long term thinking? Now I know. You know, with that many people involved, maybe you guys haven't discussed things that far out. But I'm just curious, what's the plan going forward in general? Well, right now I have everything booked up until October. I have all my storylines, so that should tell you something. Right now we're running Pell City. October 28th, and I believe it's December 9th, will be our Pell City event. After that, we've looked at several locations outside of Birmingham. Because right now, Randy Epperson, who is a piece of trash, is the only person running around there. And let me tell you something. You gotta yeah. go check out the New South show. That is one of the worst shows you'll ever see in the in the world. I promise you that. that New South. That's Randy's show. Is trash. New South. Dump Sanders. That's is trash. <laughs> Randy Epperson is running something. Kelvin Holmes hit me up last night. Kelvin was like, "Hey, Wicked, do you know this guy running this show?" And I saw red solo cup on it. And then I saw that they misspelled trailer. The white tri trialer boys. I said, <laughs> oh, Kelvin, no. they may to you. I said, I think this is a setup. I think this is a hate crime waiting to happen. Mm. There's a bunch of trash running in Alabama. Sounds like the state of wrestling in Alabama is kind of in a sorry state of affairs right now. Um, it's just so like the state I, of Alabama. I, period. It's that huh? bad. <laughs> it's bad. It is bad. I'm telling you guys right now, Ace Haven, Ace Haven is running the top promotion in Alabama right now. That's terrible. That is no offense to Ace. I love Ace and I love Ace. That is terrible. They have amazing talent. The most people they can put in their show at one time is 75 people. We already have 86 reserve seats for this. Oh, for the October 28th show. Wow. That was the thing is people were expecting wrestling. 
There's no Alabama football or no Auburn football. All there is is UNA and JSU, and JSU is in the way game. So we have you all right we, in place. It's a perfect storm. In fact, you might say yeah. it's a geostorm, which is a terrible movie. Do not watch Geostorm. <laughs> terrible. I love Disaster Point. It was terrible. But you look at Do you think people. we've seen the last of uh, Dan Sawyer running in Alabama? I hope not. I hope not for the sake of several of the uh, several of the guys that uh, I refuse to book and several of the guys I haven't booked yet. I don't want that to happen. I do not want GCW to go away. I want GCW to thrive. We need competition. Hmm. Wow, that's interesting. If if Dan was not in, well. It's gonna. He's gonna have to find the money backer, though. Clearly, right? Like that exactly, would. That's exactly. the main thing holding it up. It, yeah, that I guess so because all ours is coming straight out of our pocket. We have no sponsors. This is us. This is us putting together a card out of people that I know I can get money out of. This is how I tell everybody this: I will pay you X amount because you can put X amount of asses in the seats, but we still have to make enough to fund the next event because that's what it's about. It's about being able yeah. to fund the next event. We're not trying to make money off this. We're not. I'm not. And just like I said, we're working as a team because, it, like I told Veronica, if we were, if I was working for one of them, they'd have to pay me eighty dollars every time I picked up the phone. And I don't think anybody wants. Oh, nobody wants to pay me one hundred sixty dollars to hear me cuss at you for an hour and a half. <laughs> so what what are the details on the show? Um, so October twenty eighth. Uh, what time? What time does it start? And how can people get information about the show? You can check out our Zero Alliance Wrestling fan page. The show is a special start time at seven. Most people are accustomed Pell City running at seven thirty. We're going seven. The only match so far that we have announced is our main event. That's James Austin Cole Sykes versus Spiral. And mm. Spiral's return which has been a year and six days, six months since he's been at Pell City. Yeah. The moment, the moment that we announced Spiral was there, we had 25 reserve seats automatically. But this is going to be an exclusive because tomorrow night on B2B Determined Show, which you can catch on beyondringside.com, beyondringside.net, and prowrestlingradio.net, you can check it out, Beyond Ringside, check it out, B2B Determined Show, tomorrow night uh-huh. at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. You know that is for mature audiences. I edited myself on Wayne's World tonight, so it's not like that tomorrow night. I will give you guys an exclusive. We have the Violent Gentleman against Mississippi's own Buddha Boys. Nice. That is going to be a match. That is going to be something. The Violent Gentleman, this is what I tell everybody. I'm giving you the ball. Run with it. Cool. There's a man named Stephen Platinum. I don't know if anybody's familiar with him. You used to do that quite often. To a lot of people, a lot of young people. I look at Eric Lagon. I look at the Washington Bullets. I look at Calm Like a Bomb Pandora. I look at Shane Marks, probably the most underrated wrestler in the Southeast. That's just a vandal. De La Vega. Mason, who's no longer, Mason Demigod, who's no longer wrestling. Aisha Sunshine, Dementia Rose. Like, there's several people. That's what we need. We need somebody that will have that mentality of, I will stand for you. You go out there and give me your absolute best. I'll take the bullets for you. That's why Stephen Platinum is one of my wrestling heroes. That man stood up on a pedestal and took the bullets for PCW. He took bullets for me. He took bullets for me. 
Nobody does that. I'm usually the bullet taker. Steven <laughs> is able to take some something. He sees something in somebody, and he will bring out the best in you. I said, right there. I've learned a lot from Jeff Bailey. I've learned a lot from Reverend Dan. I learned a, a crap ton from Stephen Platinum. I learned a lot from well, Dan Sawyer. I learned a lot of what not to do. Is there, is there anything positive you learned from Dan Sawyer? Because, I, I mean, I can definitely tell, and I mean, even things that I've heard about Dan over time, actually, it's it's so negative. I mean, it's just it's, it's the stereotype of, like, a wrestling promoter, you know? Shy Steen lies a lot, like, is way too involved with rats, all that stuff. Is there is there anything, like, looking back, like, years from now, do you think you'll look back and go, like, you know what? I learned this from Dan, not something that was you learned not to do, but something that was like, all right, Dan did this very effectively. Is there anything? Yes. Dan was able to bring in certain individuals and get things out of them that he normally would not. You would not see guys like hmm. AJ still coming out and busting his ass. He was good about the talk, but not about the walk. Dan also had a good structure to his event. He would say, I don't want to do this because I have this plan. Well, you might want to tell everybody hmm. else involved that you have this plan. Like, he would come up with great ideas after we had booked stuff. He'd be like, well, how about we do this? He taught me to say, you book in reverse. You book your ending, book your beginning, you fill in the middle. Because guess what? You never know who's going to get hurt. And I was also able to see Dan. Dan would walk up to these guys looking dead in their eyes and say, brother, I love you, you know, let, let's pray about it. I'll tell you one thing. There will not be a prayer. Z-A-W before the event. No offense <laughs> to God. I mean, Jesus Christ, I love you. I love you, God. But uh, no. Like, you can't talk out of both sides of your mouth. Not even that. Not when you're trying to be a man of God. Are you kidding me? I've seen Stephen Platinum throw a TV across the room and drop, <laughs> three, three, drop three GDs back to back in life. And everybody's like, Steve's mad. <laughs> <laughs> Am I, am I wrong? No, no. Wrong. Okay, there you go. But I'm telling you, it also taught me to be honest. He taught me to be upfront and honest. You guys know me. I'm upfront and honest. He taught me to be as brutally honest as I can. Yeah. Well, this this is what has been one of the more brutally honest interviews we've ever had on this show. I'll tell you that. No, I mean, I you know it's. it's, it's I mean, it's exactly what I wanted to hear. I mean, you give us a great background on what happened, and, and more importantly, I think what you're going to do moving forward. I, I like it's always often great promotions come about as a result of trying to correct a mistake. You know, trying to trying to honor something, and uh, as opposed to. You know, this isn't a thing like that's what I was curious about. I wanted to see if this was a promotion that you guys were doing because you really wanted to do something positive moving forward, or was this just like a spiteful thing? And and it's clearly not a spiteful thing, which is good because things done out of spite or vanity promotions don't last. But promotions that are done with sort of like a almost a zealot's heart of like we have to do this thing because people are expecting wrestling. It's not good in the area that we're in and we can make a, like a, a real positive difference. I think that's something that sort of bodes success more. Well, thank you, Steven. I'll tell you that I learned a lot from you guys, like sacred ground. You go in, you're able to talk to guys like Samoa Joe, 
and they respect you enough because they've had enough back and forth with you. But you come in like, Samoa Joe, I need you to go under, let's say, Mason the demigod. He's like, okay, boss, no problem. Just an example. But, like, a lot of guys can't do that. A lot of guys will bring in, and that was a big thing at GCW, bringing in quote-unquote names, quote-unquote names. They're supposed to put over your guys. They're supposed to put over the talent, like, that you have that's there every – not to come in in a one-off, you see them once every three years, and they win. Yeah. That makes no sense. Right. Makes, I'm not paying. I'm not paying somebody $180 to come in and lose to the violent gentleman. I'm not. There's just no reason in that. I can. I can. I'm sorry. I almost dropped that phone. I can find someone to come in and work them and give them a great match. That I can talk to price and be like, look, I can have you for this state, this state, and this state. However, you're going to have to lose this match and this match. You can win this one. The hills lose. On the big shows. But you have to build baby faces. Right now, let me tell you, I have two heels, three heels, three heels on this card, three. Because I had so many baby faces, so many baby faces hit me up. I still have baby faces. I have more baby faces than I've ever seen in my life. I didn't know there were that many baby faces in the Southeast. <laughs> and that's the thing is also a lot of these guys are trying to get they they were they were fed up they were sick, you know. Yeah. You, you, Kelvin lost for two years, two years straight. The violent gentleman only won two times, two times, and one of them was at Peach State. Like that does something to a god. That does something to the heart and soul of an individual. That does yeah. something to the psyche. It kills them. It kills them from the inside out because then they start to have doubt. Then they start to get mad at, at everybody else in the locker room. Well, why is such and such winning? And I haven't won two years. Then you have to go to me. You have to be like, look, it's not about winning and losing. I mean, we're here to win. However, if you can give them direction, if you can give them a, a storyline, if you can give them an angle where they can shine, even just losing three or four shows, guess what? If you give them that, they are quick to say, you know what? Anything you want, you got I mean, it sounds like you guys, you you just got a great attitude and a philosophy going forward. Um, we got to, we got to, we got to end this, unfortunately, because we're running out of time, but is there any, any kind of last words you want to say? Any kind of last thing, obviously like October 28th, uh, people need to check that out and get there and the December 9th, but is there anything else that you wanted to say? Wicked. I want to say this straight up to everybody in the Southeast. When you throw rocks, at the state of Alabama wrestling, those rocks land at my feet. Do not let anybody tell you anything different. There is nobody else in the state of Alabama. I am the king of Alabama. As crazy as that sounds, I am the guy that goes out. I spend as much time in Alabama as I do in Georgia, as I do in Tennessee, as I do in Florida. There is nobody. I learned from the best. And as we all know, Buster Rhymes said it best, if you're not going to be part of the greatest, You've got to be the greatest yourself, and that's what it's about. It's about making wrestling not even great, wrestling good in the state of Alabama, at least good, because right now it sucks, and there's too much talent out there. Donnie Primetime, Britt Jackson, The Violet Gentleman, Charles Anders, Kelvin Holmes, Cole Sykes, Donnie Learman, Johnny Slaughter, Joey Sartain, Veronica Fairchild. Those are people that live in Alabama that bust their ass and get no recognition. Or if they do, it's minimal. 
because somebody don't want to pick up the phone call and be like, hey, Larry, here's my results, or send something to Larry, or send something to Dave Meltzer. Send something to somebody to get the names out there. If you're not putting in the work, wrestling gives you what you give in. It will give it back to you. As much as you put into wrestling, it will give it back to you. This is theater of the mind. Guess what? October 28th, it's absolute zero. Zero Alliance Wrestling. And to everybody that's got in contact with me, you know I've contacted you each and every one of you. This, if you want, if you want it bad enough, I will give it to you. But you have to want it. You don't come at me nonchalantly. That's not how we do things. You come at me with a great attitude, and you tell me, yes, this is what I need. Don't come at me and tell me, well, what am I doing? Who am I working against? You don't worry about it. You should know. If you're a good promoter, your guys should already know what they're doing before they ever get in the building. They should already be on top of everything and getting their match ready. Because you call it in the ring, kid, but not everybody can do it. Yeah. Well, I'm well, I'm fucking excited to see what you guys do. I it's again, it's I think it's something that's sort of born out of passion and love, and hopefully that makes. Uh, I mean, there's going to be learning curve and, you know, there's going to be bumps in the road and all that nonsense. But at the end of the day, um, I- I'm just excited to see what you guys do. I think I think it's needed, and I'm glad you guys are doing it. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate it, and thank you guys for having me on tonight. Sorry I went long. Thank you. Oh, no. no thank you. Oh, no. Thank you, Wicked, and um, do send me your results. Oh, <laughs> this is the first person who's getting our results. Georgia wrestling history. Believe that I've already said that, and Dave Meltzer is getting them too, whether he wants them or not. Everybody's getting them. Sorry. Good. Good. Nicely done. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Have a wonderful evening. Uh, All right. You as well. Thank you. Hmm. (laughs) Hot dog. I do love passion and. We'll have to see what's up. We'll have to see what's yeah. going on. And was that was that Mad Dog Dancer dot net? Going to that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty rich there. Much to his dismay, I'm sure. Well, well I know it's um, uh, we're we're at eight o'clock already. I I, I want mm-hmm. to touch on it if we could, Stephen, a couple of things that are going yeah, on please. locally here before we run completely out of time. Uh. One Fall Wrestling, QT Marshall's uh, group, coming into the Landmark Arena on a Sunday, December the 10th. And this is apparently an experiment he's uh, doing there to run this show. But on this poster, he's got uh, Samuel Shaw, Glacier, Punishment Martinez, Brandy Rhodes, and Christopher Daniels as Curryman all booked for this show at the Landmark Arena on the, on a Sunday. So this should be interesting. Wow. Uh, Are you and, going to that and, bad boy? Oh, yeah. And I believe Cody Cody Rhodes for um, in autographs only, of course, not wrestling, but for autographs. So, I mean, talk about star-studded lineup. Whoa. Wow, um, that is a, fascinating. Yeah, and a bunch of good local – of the local guys, too. I mean, Gunnar Miller's on there. Uh, I see CB Suave on the poster, Jessica Lee. So yeah, quite quite a lineup of guys. Um, also, one of our uh, we, we you know we had Heath Slater on from Face to Face Wrestling. They ran their first right. actual show 
on Saturday night, and basically it was using uh, trainees, um, names that people would know that were in the lineup. Uh, Prince Apollo, Joe Black wrestled on it. Owen Knight uh, was on it. Um, they drew about 50 people, and they're coming back on November 4th, and the second show is going to be in conjunction with the Good Brothers Dojo. Gotcha. So they were pleased because it was their first, you know, the first time running there. Absolutely. Uh, and again, it's, it's basically to get, you know, get give the trainees an opportunity to get, you know, to get in front of people. Um, uh, Jerry Lawler coming in for Georgia Premier on, I believe that's November the 11th, second Saturday in Canton. Jerry the King Lawler. Right. Uh, and of course, this Saturday coming up. Fright Night 2017 in Cornelia. Mm-hmm. So those, are, those are the things that jump out at me. The other thing that jumps out, and that I don't want to end on a sour note, but it doesn't seem like anybody's drawn very well right now. Of course, fall's not a good time in in Georgia with with foot going against football, but um, definitely um, nobody seems to be doing that well at the moment, box office wise. But so hopefully that picks up. We'll see. Yeah, PCW is going to start running up again. Basically, took a month off because um, we found that after Sacred Ground, it just it's just worked out better when we've uh, taken a little time off. So you know, PCW is going to get cranking up again. Bill the Butcher's first appearance as PCW champion. So and that's what uh, the we'll first see. first Saturday in November, correct? Yes. Yes, sir. Great, sir. Well, what what a barn burner of a show! Uh, Wicked Nemesis yeah. definitely uh, brought uh, brought what we wanted to hear. We wanted to know what happened with Sawyer. We wanted to know about this promotion, and we got all that and a whole lot more. I'm so glad the Paul <laughs> Lee story is out there in detail. There were details about that story that apparently I did not know. So I, I actually got to. I, we all learned something today. So and we yes. we learned that Paul Lee's a bleeder, if nothing else. So, um, <laughs> but then aren't aren't all stuck pigs? Anyway, with that, <laughs> with that <laughs> for Larry Goodman, I'm Stephen Platinum. We will join you soon enough for another edition of The Tipping Point. Oh. <laughs> uh, technical problems. Can't sign off. Sorry, folks. No outro music tonight. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.